Welcome to our podcast. We're a mother-daughter duo with a twist. I'm Taya, and I was adopted. And I'm Roz, her birth mom. I went on a search at the age of 36, and I found her. Listen in as we come together to unpack the layers of our journey. us starting episode six. I think I'm starting to find my rhythm with you here. So how are you today, Roz? Taya, I feel great. I'm excited. We're in our sixth episode of this new podcast we started. Yes, there is a rhythm that we have found with this. We know each other very well and There's been many years of conversation, hours and hours on those Sundays (laughs) and all the time in between. So we have a rhythm, but the podcast was new. And I think that we are excited about how it's flowing and having an attentive audience who wants to send us comments and texts via whatever platform they're interested in listening to, because we know we're on Spotify, Google Podcast, and Amazon Podcast. So everyone is connected, and we do have a rhythm going on the first and third Wednesday of each month. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. I do. I think um, it's been great to see how many people are following us, I just want to say thank you so very much to all our listeners who have started to subscribe and are listening and providing us such great feedback. We just want you to continue to share this information if you like it um, so that we can have that many more people learn about I Found Her. So what have you found yourself thinking about since our last episode, Roz? Well, it was a lot. You were probably flooded with thoughts as well. Mm. But the best part was how we described the fun family reunion we had. In addition to meeting your parents and family, I met your brother and I know your extended relatives. I think there's one who had the same name as me, right? Mm, right. And there are so there was so much that happened when you came to my house and i look back and i think that i'm glad we took our time we talked for hours every week and didn't feel the need to rush we could have jumped on a plane and saw each other immediately after you sent that letter but it was so important to us to get to know each other to fill the gap of those 36 years and see what you have been doing, what I was doing. And it was intentional, I believe, for us to meet for the first time in person with your adoptive parents. That was so important to me, Mm -hmm. as I know it was for you, because 
they had you first after I gave birth. And they did a wonderful job raising you. And I think it was not like we felt we would be sneaking behind anyone's back, mm -hmm. but it was a package that needed to be opened at the same time. Yeah. Then when you came to my house, that was another package. Mm. And remember, it was around Christmas time. Exactly. So yeah. We were presenting lots of gifts to each other. So I'm glad we took our time to have conversations and lay the foundation so that when we did meet in person, it would be the right time and done the right way. Yeah, yeah. I like when you say, you know, laying the foundation, because I think when we, again, consider how many years had passed, there's, it's almost like to start a relationship, um, I, re I do remember having to temper all the different emotions because I do think sometimes in the beginning you want to rush through things. Um, and because we set a foundation of first just connecting through our phone calls, it allowed us, I think, to get to know one another and work through all of those different emotions. Now, of course, not all those emotions were worked out in that, in that time frame, but a lot of those immediate emotions were worked out because we could just listen to one another's voice and, you know, ask those questions and, and connect on the uncomfortable things, you know, I mean, yes. learning, learning each other's life. Um, I think that we were able to, to learn through those questions via phone call and get a sense of how the other person is doing. Um, I'm finding myself thinking quite a bit about that time and, and just remembering that, yeah, we had to pace ourselves through the process, even though I think emotions naturally have you to collide and say, okay, we've got to do this now. We've got to, we've got to meet, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. But I think we did a pretty good job of managing the pace so that there wasn't too much too soon, right? Exactly, because remember the pace you had, you mentioned in a previous episode, you saw the Antoine Fisher movie, mm -hmm. then you saw the DMC documentary, mm -hmm. then it was reaching out to Pamela Slayton, mm -hmm. then it was sitting on that for a little while to get your heart together. Yeah. Say so this could yeah. really happen. Yeah. And so you started with a wonderful pace of allowing yourself to catch up to the reality mm. of eventually meeting me in person. And we know that was wonderful. Yeah. So we started off on a good pace and our conversations led to the in-person amazing <laughs> reunion. Mm -hmm. So and even with this podcast, how we're taking steps at a time, 
releasing thoughts at a time mm -hmm. in each episode. It's a continuum of our practice yeah. of not feeling rushed or missing out on something, but to savor every moment. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, in our last episode, um, you know, because we tend to talk quite a bit in between our episodes, the episode five, we ended up calling it coming home to self. Um, I actually started to look through several of the books that I have again on adoption. And I find myself looking at those books again, but this time kind of seeing them through a different lens. Maybe it's because now there's more context, but one of those books in particular, um, I've mentioned the author um, before, she did the book, The Primal Wound, and she also did this book called Coming Home to Self. So I decided to, you know, put a spin on that with our last episode's title. And what I found myself um, kind of thinking about is when I had said in our last episode, coming to your house, meeting everyone as I did, that it, it did actually feel kind of like coming home. But I'm kind of curious as to why did that statement resonate so much with you that you actually were the one that suggested it as the title for our fifth episode? You may remember when I referenced that my brother, your uncle, mm -hmm. used your favorite Bible verse, Romans 8, 28. Mm -hmm. And that was unexpected. Yes. Maybe it was unexpected for him, but when it flowed out of his mouth, he captured another feeling for you. You mm -hmm. said that with all that we did that weekend, when you came to my house and met everyone else, this is your family, not just my family anymore. Mm -hmm. So when you met your family, your extended family, you said the words, it felt like coming home. I got a little choked up when you mm -hmm. said that because you might have said it before, but when you said it in the episode, it took my breath away. Oh. It probably took my brother and the rest of our family their breath away because we didn't know that that would happen. That was spontaneous. The feeling of coming home is what I wanted for you. I wanted you to feel by coming to my house, it would feel like coming home to close the gaps that had existed for so many years, for you to find yourself not being on the outside, but being, being right in the middle of everything we were doing. And you were, remember the speak no evil, hear mm -hmm. no evil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the the thing that I get it all confused. Yeah. The thing that you and your sister and brother did 
that picture is it, it's like it should be framed mm. maybe it should be the cover of another book that <laughs> we might write together because that's the connection that's the coming home that's the comfort level that you and the rest of us experienced that weekend so the family reunion yes Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to hear you say the words coming home because it did feel like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, I want to go back to the fact that, like I said, I, I found myself picking up this book again, Coming Home to Self by Nancy Verrier, because it it helped me to understand myself all the more. Now, the book itself is pretty dense and it's a very demanding book and it can be difficult to read because there's a lot of emotions that it, it evokes. But at the same time, it is the kind of book that has brought me so much relief because I've been able to kind of gain understanding and validation for the wounds that were created by the trauma of my separation from you, Ra. So actually the very first chapter in the book talks about separation trauma. And and I wanna go a little bit deeper here. And so I'm hoping you can hold some space for me while I share you know, this significant point in the book. Are you okay with that? Yes, I am, darling. Okay, okay. So. One of the things about this book is it talks about, and and, and let me kind of go back and give a little bit more context. Interestingly, in our third episode titled Intruders, you had said something that I was like, I've been still chewing on it because I had said something about how when I was replaying some things back to you, that I had these birth mother fantasies. And then you shared how it tied you in as though that umbilical cord was still there. And then you went on to say that there are still connections there. I knew your voice, I knew your heartbeat. And then I'm placed for adoption and you say, I'm looking for that, but it's missing. And so when I'm reading this book, Coming Home to Self, and it talks about like the first trauma for a child, a baby, when separated from their birth mom is the fact that they had the sound and the heartbeat of their birth mom, and now that's not there. It's missing. And they say that this is when an infant can feel so helpless because the one person that they felt connected to, the one who is still part of the self is now no longer there. Um, She goes on to say that for the adopted child, there is not a reflection of oneself in the adoptive family. There's not any genetic markers for her to mirror. So let me slow down there. So this idea of genetic markers has a lot to do with kind of the physical things 
that a person sees in another person, like how their eyes match, how their nose is shaped, their ears, the shape of their face, and the nuances around the mirroring come around the hand gestures and, and how one's body image is. And so for the adopted child, when they're placed in the family, um, what they don't have now are those markers, are those mirrors. And I found myself not fitting in. And I've kind of talked about that in, in previous episodes that, you know, I felt different. I knew something was different, but I didn't have at that time the words to confirm that until I was finally told otherwise. Um, and so when I read this book, I'm like, that's exactly what was going on for me. I didn't I felt it within me, but I didn't have the information. And so, yeah, I adapt in this process, but the author talks about how there is a lost sense of self. So me coming to your home in many ways then provided me with those specific genetic markers, the mirroring that I longed for of myself and others and it then helped me to address my sense of loss and find that connection. So I know I've said a lot, but unpacking those two words of coming home isn't really that simple for me. I believe it's a very complicated process and one that I am now so glad that I get to unpack with you. So, like I said, I said a lot there, but what's coming up for you? Thank you for so much, Taya, for sharing that piece. I never realized that the word trauma would be written in a book about what you experienced as an infant and the sense of loss, the lack of genetic markers or mirroring to see yourself in your adoptive family. I still thank them every day for what they did because I know adoption for the baby is one whole level of emotions and disconnect if you want to call it that. But I think that now, since we've crossed that threshold, mm -hmm. we could look back and say something that you brought up in a conversation we had of the many hours and mm -hmm. hours on Sunday. It was like, mm -hmm. who's fixing dinner? Oh, <laughs> <It's> right. <Sunday>. <laughs> when <laughs> is dinner time? <laughs> I think that got neglected quite a bit during yes. that season. <laughs> and I know that I was not thinking about dinner. I was thinking about being on the right. phone with you until right. midnight. <laughs> but anyway, in one of those conversations, Taya, you use the word destiny. Mm. And it sort of helped me reestablish what I did. Mm. How? Why? 
why did I need to place you for adoption? Why was it important for the social workers to even say things like, because of your age and not being married, your daughter will be adopted by a wonderful family of two parents mm -hmm. who could raise her, but also give her as much love as you have. Mm -hmm. And you used that word destiny, and I thought, my love flowed through your veins. And when you were adopted, I didn't think of it as abandonment. Right. Because when you talked about destiny, you said, think about it. You may not have gone to college, got married, and had two more children. Mm -hmm. You, Taya, may not have gone to college, moved to another state, and met your handsome <laughs> husband. So we cannot erase that. Right. We cannot erase destiny because it's so important to us now. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned your Bible verse in the last episode, Romans 8, 28. I'm going to say out loud, Jeremiah mm -hmm. chapter 29, verse 11, which is what I live by. It's my favorite Bible verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future. God answered my prayers. Mm -hmm. He answered yours. And any of our listeners who experience something similar, he has or will answer your prayers. When we look at our destiny and what we do have in our life now, I don't want to erase the, your sister and brother, mm -hmm. the rest of my family and all the things. I mean, I may or may not have gone to college. I would have not met certain people that crossed my path. The same for you. Right. I can't imagine your life without your husband. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's amazing. <laughs> and he is a blessing as my son-in-law. I cannot imagine our life, but it doesn't erase the pain of mm -hmm. trauma, mm -hmm. the pain of not finding birth markers and mirroring, as the book said, someone you were looking for. You had a loss. The pain cannot be erased, but destiny took over. God took over and he knew his plans for us. And I walk in faith with that in order to keep generating the excitement that we have in our life now mm -hmm. because that was his plan. Yeah. And who am I to dispute that? Yeah. Yeah. That's so validating though. It's so validating because it, it again, the 
you know, what I've shared in the past about how you can, we can have all these different emotions in play. It informs me that you can hold to what can be opposite emotions, right? Contradicting emotions, but in the same space. And I think that's what we're, we're saying here is that we can hold these two emotions of pain and also joy in the same space. And both are valid emotions to have through this experience, right? Um, I think the fact that we're processing the, the experience of trauma, it, I think it also helps our listeners to understand that, you know, much of what took place in the 70s was based on the information that they had then. And then as more and more research was done, more and more um, stories gathered, we then develop more perspective and understanding. And so we change what was thought to be, you know, right, appropriate in the 70s. We change that now in this present age. You know, so, so where closed adoption had you fully relinquishing, you know, all of your rights and, you know, having laws in place that, that say, you know, you shouldn't have or you can't have contact between a birth mother and their child. Now, open adoption or even a semi-open adoption allows a birth mother at the very beginning to kind of set the tone for their child to say, yes, I do want to be able to write letters or I do want to be able to have um, pictures. I do want when the child is of said age to know that I am available and I wanna be able to be introduced into their life. There's so many different ways that adoption can be done now that I think removes the shame and removes the, the veil of secrecy that was so much a part of the time in the 70s and 80s um, to where now, you know, you can, you can hold the space for two families, the adoptive family and the birth parents. In fact, there was this other book that I found. So all these books in my library, <laughs> you know, I read many, many years ago and now I'm picking them back up again. But there's another book that's called Dear Birth Mother. And that book is kind of a, a full, I would say it's a book all about advocacy for openness in adoption. And it probably paved the way for a lot of these laws um, to be changed. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think uh, before, I, before I share something else that, that came up in, that, in the book, Dear Birth Mother, I wanna make sure I connect back with you, Roz, and, and, and see if there was anything more that you wanted to, to say you know, in that space around you know, what we just talked through. 
Yes, I do. I think that it's important to understand the difference of closed adoptions in the 70s and earlier mm -hmm. and how it has changed, mm -hmm. probably because the birth parents wanted to have some kind of relationship outside of not raising the child, mm -hmm. not because they didn't want to, but maybe there was a necessity. Mm -hmm. Every adoption story has different characters mm -hmm. of who the adoptive parents are and the birth parents. What's going on in their life? Why was it so necessary to hold that veil of secrecy in the 70s? And it's not that important now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful that it has changed. And I wish that I wasn't told things like, it will be better because of your age to be raised and adopted by someone else. They determined it was better. I was too young and perhaps very naive to realize that, wait a minute, I don't go along with that decision. I want to keep my baby. It wasn't an option, as I said earlier. So I had to go with that. But I'm glad that closed adoption is getting very close to semi-closed and open. Because if our listeners want to make any comments or send us any questions to our email, now is the time to tell us, was it a difficult transition? Was it a semi-closed slash open arrangement? And how did you live through that? I think maybe someone might say, well, there was jealousy mm -hmm. with the birth mother coming into play and the adoptive mother not feeling exactly comfortable because it doesn't match the way they plan to raise this child that they adopted. And then the birth mother might feel left out a little because they may not be included in every family gathering. Those things happen. Yeah. And I think God spared us from that happening in a way because it wasn't his plan. Mm -hmm. We, our timing was perfect and we believe in that. So being a birth mother, I am more comfortable in my skin now since we've uncovered so much and I've learned so much from you, Taya. I remember saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry so many times and cried on the phone during our long, long conversations because of what you told me you went through. And I had no idea that what I did would affect you. Now it's explained through research. And I think that it's just had to be this way. Like I said earlier, it's not that I abandoned you. 
and I never want you to feel abandoned. But when you mentioned the word destiny, I think it released all those anxieties that I was giving you to another family who loved you just as much as I do. And that your veins are still filled with my blood, with God's blessing all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think with you layering that piece in there, um, you know, referencing the book, Dear Birth Mother, but as well, it, it's shared in, you know, the other books, um, Coming Home to Self, The Primal Wound. Um, and there's so many books out there on adoption, but it go what you just said, I think it, it allows us to acknowledge that that birth mothers as well have lifetime feelings. Um, and it could be sorrow, it could be regret, it could be shame about placing their child for adoption. Um, I think what I'm connecting on here is that all parts of what they call the triad, which is the adoptee, the adoptive parents, and the birth parents, all of us have a perspective in this. Um, all of us have experienced um, probably, it's safe to say, a form of trauma because, you know, when I think about it, there is definitely a trauma. And I'm gonna step back a little bit here because what came to mind is I believe there was there was a trauma for you to be told to not look at me. Yes. You know? Yes, it was. And again, we didn't use that language back then. But now that we understand it, yeah, to be told, again, I think it was a protective thing. There was a fear. And again, fear can paralyze a person, right? I think that being told that was rooted in fear that should you put your eyes upon your child, on your baby, upon me, that you would freeze mm -hmm. and say something contradictory instead of it being an opportunity for you to bless me maybe in that moment, to say your hello and your goodbye and to have some closure, you know? Yeah. And so, so I think there, there is definitely a trauma that occurs for the birth mother. And then as we talked about it, there's definitely a trauma for the adoptee specifically because especially if there's a lot of secrecy involved. And then I think, you know, at least more so probably back in our time of 70s and such versus now, I think adoption was the option for adoptive parents and for my parents because there were challenges in fertility. And there's a loss that a person experiences when there are challenges with fertility. And so to choose to adopt a child Although it's 
something that can have a lot of excitement and joy to bring a child into the family, it's connected to that fertility issue, you know? And so I think, again, the whole triad is dealing with some layer of trauma and therefore all of our emotions, all of our feelings need to be validated. Um, I'm going to pause there again and just kind of see if there's, there's anything that comes to mind for you um, based on, you know, what I shared. Uh, yeah, let me just let it breathe a little bit and see if you have anything you want to say. All right, Taya, thank you for that. Because I was thinking of something when you talked about the book about um, letters from birth mothers. Dear birth mother. Mm -hmm. Dear birth mother, I so wish that I was not told not to try to find you, not to reach out, not to connect, not to do anything. That was traumatic when I really think about it. If only I could have written a letter mm -hmm. and placed it in your adoption file and said something like, Dear Dina, <laughs> that's the name I gave you when you were born. But I'm sure your parents have renamed you. That's exactly what happened. If, and I don't like to talk about the what ifs too much, because I, I go back to that word you use, destiny. Mm -hmm. But if I were able to write you a letter, it would have been a wonderful letter for you to find yeah. in your adoption file when you found out you were adopted. And whether the address and name was the same or if I was married by that time or moved to another location, we would have found a way to connect, but I have to go back to Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It just had to be in the plan. But I think we have written some letters to each other, emails over the years that sort of addressed that dear Dina. Mm. And you said it in your first letter to me. I'm Taya, but my birth name is Dina. We enjoyed that piece of unveiling secrecy and now coming to the point where we actually are today. So I am sorry, Taya, for all that you went through. And I'll say it for the rest of my life. But I am happy that God put this part of our continuation in his plan for us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 I sit in this space with you and I, I just feel like this is such a blessing it because is. how, how many times I've had whatever emotions I've had and how many times you've had whatever emotions you've had and a person oftentimes, you know, is expressing these emotions, but they're not able to express it to the person, right? And I think, you know, like when I said earlier, I'm so thankful that I get to do this with you 
because there's such impact in us being able to express these emotions to one another, right? Amen what a gift, what a gift, what a gift, it's right? A gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> and you know, I wanna mention right now that you invited me to attend a conference Ooh. called Adoption Knowledge. Affiliate, yes, AKA. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think that was another enlightening moment because I was surrounded by people just like me. You were surrounded by other adoptees just like you in a huge conference of getting to know each other, sharing stories, finding out, well, how did you manage this? What did you do about that? That triad came up a lot. Yeah. And I would like to go to another AKA yeah, okay. Adoption Knowledge Affiliate Conference whenever it's scheduled. It's probably just once a year. And I'm sure it's in another state <laughs> instead of where I live, but I'll go and yeah. I'll go with you, Taya. Yeah. Because yeah. we've had a lot happen since then. Mm -hmm. And this would be a refresh for us because the adoption process has changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember being. Uh, in memory of, of the pictures we took, the lunch that we had. Um, I need to go back and, and find the material. I'm pretty sure I have it saved. Uh, but yeah, I think again, it, it, it allowed us to be in the space with others. Therefore, there was some form of mirroring, you know, in the, yes. in the sense that there was like-mindedness in the room. And, and again, I think there's a form of validation that comes when you are in the space with others like you and and yeah yes. so we'll we'll definitely have to plan for that again and and so as we're as we're coming to i think a pretty good uh point to close um before we we kind of you know sign off as we've used that language in the past is there is there anything more that you may want to say before we do wrap it up today I want to say out loud again, I'm sorry, Taya, for what you experienced. You have blossomed into a beautiful woman. You might not have met your handsome husband, <laughs> but you might not have the career that you have. Mm -hmm. And I think back to that word destiny you're able to be a good therapist to your clients and your business is growing and there are people reaching out to you because you have that gift and whether or not you would have completed college went into the military met your husband and me having my marriage and children to be your sister and brother the evolution of life is where we are now. And we're blessed. We're actually very blessed with this. So I just want to say in closing for this episode that coming home was great. And this is where life matters and continues. So Thank you so much, Taya, for all that you've done 
for me, our extended families and what we are sharing with our listeners to help them feel thankful and feel the gratitude to the depths of our soul throughout this. I love you. Wow, I love you. I receive all of that goodness. <laughs> I receive all of it. Well, everyone, you know, we hope that you have enjoyed our show and you will let us know that by rating and reviewing us on Spotify, Google, and Amazon podcast. And be sure to come back for the next episode because as you can tell, we've got quite a bit of content. So until then, this is Tayan Roz, where we talk all things adoption and reunion, but with a twist. Mm -hmm.